Hello, and thank you once again for joining us for the Crossroads Baptist Church radio and podcast ministry. We are currently in the study of Christianity 101, a look in-depth at the 101st Psalm in our Bible to see what practical applications and what practical teachings it holds for the Christian today. Today we start lesson number three, which is verse number two of Psalm 101. Let's read together and then we'll pray. The Bible says in Psalm 101, verse two, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and all that we can learn from it. Help us now as we seek to learn something new, something helpful to our lives. And Lord, help us to obey your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so verse 2 essentially contains three lessons in one. Of course, wise behavior, a desire for God's presence, and then private holiness. For the purpose of our study today, we will simply examine these three statements individually. First of all, beginning with, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Wise behavior, of course, encompasses many things. But put simply for the Christian, wise behavior is behavior that is directed by and influenced by the Word of God. You don't get any wiser, you don't get any more full of wisdom in your behavior than behaving as the Word of God commands you to. Psalm 119 and verse number 9, the Bible says here, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11 of Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. And then if you were to look with me at Psalm 119 and verse 105, the Bible says here, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, of course, some of these verses are probably pretty well known if you know your Bible, but uh, the problem isn't whether they're well known, it's whether they're well observed whether obeyed in our lives. It doesn't do you any good to memorize Scripture and to know Scripture if you're not going to obey the Scripture. It seems pretty, pretty standard knowledge, but it's something we need to be reminded of also often. So we need to walk wisely. We need to behave wisely in a perfect way. The best way to do that is to stay in God's Word and obey God's Word for our direction as of what we should do in every situation. Considering wisdom here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's important to understand that if we're going to behave ourselves wisely, we need to go off of the wisdom of God for the for that uh, obedience. We can't just go by what we believe is wise. We got to go by his word and what he says and what he thinks is the best way to go about our behavior. There's a lot of time, a lot of situations you can probably think of in your own life where you were directed in a way of how to behave and you found out later on that wasn't very wise, but somebody else directed you to behave that way. You used their wisdom to mold your behavior and sometimes that's not very good, doesn't work out. But if we'll use the word of God to mold our behavior, we'll use God's wisdom to mold our behavior, then it will always be the best choice. 
Because if we're honest with ourselves, when we consider behaving wisely in a perfect way, we have to acknowledge that our wisdom falls far short of perfection. But Psalm 18, verse 30 and 31, the Bible says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them, those that trust in Him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? Consider also Psalm 19:7. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. If we want to behave wisely in a perfect way, we must rely on the wisdom that comes from the word of God to do so. Thankfully, God does not hold back wisdom from those who seek it. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, the Bible tells us uh, that if we lack wisdom, we simply ask wisdom of God and he'll give it to us. Wise behavior is not just beneficial to the Christian. It's not just beneficial to you. It's a command that God expects us to obey as his children. Colossians 4, 5, and 6, the Bible says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. The Christian has no excuse for a lack of wisdom as we have access to the wisdom of the creator of the heavens and the earth through prayer and through the scriptures. The issue is often a lack of desire for the wisdom to discern how we should behave every day. We often seek after the world's wisdom, but to behave ourselves wisely in a perfect way, we need the wisdom of the Lord. So the second part of verse number 2 of Psalm 119 said, Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? Of course, this is King David by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's writing this psalm as unto the Lord. He's making some, some I will and I will not unto his God, and he says, Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I think this is very important to to stop and notice here that there is a desire for the presence of God in his life. Psalm 63 verses 1 and 2 say, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Psalm 119 and verse 145. Psalm 119, 145. Here we see in the Word of God, I cried with my whole heart, Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, Save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning, and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevented the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. There's a desire here for God, and, and in order to fulfill the desire that he, have for, that he has for God, he says, I'm going to stay up late in your word. I'm going to seek you early. I am going to devote myself to learning of you. Every saved, blood-bought, born-again Christian has the Holy Spirit of God living within them. The Bible tells us this in John 14, verses 16 through 17, and several other places. But just because the Holy Spirit dwells within us does not mean that we are always going to feel the presence of God in our lives. You say, well, why not? Well, it's simple. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. God's Holy Spirit gets locked in a corner of our lives when we don't desire His presence. And He will, uh, His will and His leading, we, we sin, uh, we grieve Him, we numb ourselves to His convicting power over our lives by rejecting His guidance, and eventually, though He is there, though He is in us, we have effectively locked Him away so He has no bearing on our hearts anymore. 
when we desire God's presence in our life, uh, though we will begin to repent of those things, begin to study the Bible and beg God exactly what David did in Psalm 119.18, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. If we desire the presence of God more than the pleasure of sin, God will make his presence known. In James 4, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We ought to ask ourselves often, do I truly desire the presence of God in my life? So much so that I am willing to remove any obstacle of sin, so that I might draw nigh to him and he to me. Do we have that desire? A lot of people would say real quickly, oh yeah, I desire God in my life, but they don't realize that if they don't get rid of the sin, if they don't get rid of the things that prevent them from experiencing that feeling of having that presence of God active in their lives, they say, oh well, I don't want God that much. I don't want God so much that I'm going to have to reject other things. But that's the thing. We need to desire God's presence in our lives and in our hearts so much so that it stands above any other priority that we have. The third part of, of Psalm 119, verse number two, or Psalm 101, I'm sorry, verse number two, is I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. It's one thing to behave ourselves wisely in a perfect way when others can see us. It is another thing entirely to have private holiness in our lives. So often we see people who play the part of Christians so well on Sunday that when the big reveal comes and everybody finds out that he or she ran out on their spouse or, or was addicted to drugs or was a terrible child to their parents, we almost don't believe it. That man ran a bus route. That woman taught Sunday school. That teenager went out for every public evangelism opportunity. How could they have done had that sin in their life? How could we have never known? Well, there are things that you do, things that you dwell on in your mind, things that you desire in your heart that none of your brothers or sisters in Christ know about. David here states that he isn't just going to behave wisely, he's going to walk within his house, out of the public view, with a perfect heart. This is one of the most difficult commitments found in Psalm 101, because it's often so easy in today's world to hide sin in your home. And it's even easier to hide it in your hearts. Keep in mind, you can sin in your heart without anyone ever finding out. Christ's words in Matthew 5, verse 27-28, the Bible says, Ye have heard that it was said of them by old, of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. First John 3.15, the Bible says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. The heart is a tricky thing. So Jeremiah 17, 9-10 warns, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Our hearts, they, they run off towards whatever they want, whatever they desire. And this fleshly old man within us has a pretty tight hold on our hearts to turn us towards the things that we shouldn't desire and away from the things that we should. And then you think about culture. Our culture today in America is all about following your heart. It's just, it's just foolish. It's a horrible idea to just follow your heart. Anybody listening today have any confidence in their feelings? I mean, come on. If you're going to be honest with yourself, 
You can feel so happy one day and so sad the next. You can be so excited about one thing, and then when it comes up, you're, you're dreading it. Your feelings are a roller coaster. Your heart is a roller coaster. Any, anybody who's ever dated as a young person can know, oh, I was sure that I was going to marry that girl. I was sure I was going to marry that boy after one week, and then after two weeks, we were broke up. The heart is a horrible thing to follow. The Bible says it's deceitful and wicked. We need to not follow our hearts. We need to follow our God. Now, what do we do to help us to have a perfect heart? After all, our heart isn't perfect by nature, and it doesn't want perfection by nature. Uh, So what do we do to have a perfect heart in our private lives? Well, of course, ask God for assistance. Ask God. He'll help you. Turn with me to Psalm 51 and verse number 10. Here the Bible says, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Say, I can't clean up my heart. I can't control my heart always. And so you just ask God to help. Colossians 3, verse 2 and 3 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Fixing our hearts on the right things so that they cannot wander is important. Psalm 57.7, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed, I will sing and give praise. We are to walk in private with a perfect heart. We will will need the help of God. So many temptations vie for our hearts, and our hearts are difficult to keep in check. We need a daily, consistent walk with the one who sees our heart and knows our thoughts and knows our desires so that he can lead and guide us. Today we have three questions to answer in regard to verse number 2 of Psalm 101. Will I seek to behave wisely in a perfect way? Not in my own wisdom, but in the wisdom of God. Do I honestly desire to have the presence of God in my daily life? And I'm talking desire it. Not just, well, if it happens, it happens. But a longing desire for God's presence to be in my life and to be felt in my life. Do I have that desire? And then thirdly, will I strive to be holy in private? And have a perfect heart before my God. It's so easy to play Christian. It's so easy to play church member. But God knows your heart. God knows your heart. Are you going to walk wisely in a perfect way? Are you going to have a desire for the presence of God in your life? Are you going to strive to be holy even when nobody's looking? That's the choices to be made today with Psalm 101. Christianity 101. The basic tenets of our faith. The basic practical applications here Will we obey what we just heard from the Word of God?